This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. They are seeing who God is through our lives. Because they're not in church, because they're not reading the Word. But they see us. They see us at the restaurants, they see us at the stores, they see us at the workplaces, they see us at the schools, they see us in our neighborhoods, they see us in our family gatherings, they see us everywhere. Do they see Christ in us? That's the thing that I want us to remember. What does the word Christian mean? It's thrown around so much that it really has lost its meaning. Christian has become a label which sometimes has very little to do with Christ at all. But the word Christian literally means little Christ. So is that something people would describe you as? Are you imitating Christ? Are you trying to look and act like Him? As we finish our study in Amos, we see the importance of being a light to those around us so they can know what God truly is like. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Amos, chapter 8, verse 1, for today's study. So, I love how Amos didn't pull any punches. He just kind of said, hey... You're telling me not to say this? Let me say, let me tell you how it, it is going to be. He goes on. Uh, there, there's another vision here. This is now the fourth vision that God has given me. Thus the Lord God showed me. Behold, a basket of summer fruit. And, and the idea of a summer fruit is the idea of this is, this is late season fruit. This is, this is probably very ripe, ripe fruit. Okay. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I, I said, a basket of summer fruit. Fruit, And then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. It's interesting, that word that he says, the end has come upon my people Israel. There's kind of a word play between the Hebrew, the end, and the word summer fruit. And it's kind of like the Lord himself was doing this word play with Amos. Here's a, is the end of the fruit season? Well, you know what? The end of the time of Israel is going to happen right now. I will not pass by them anymore. Again, the same word that he said over in chapter 7, verse 8. I'm not going to pass by here anymore. I've worked with them enough. I've, I've given my word to them. I've called for them to repent. I'm, I'm not going to try it anymore. It's no longer time to remodel. It's now going to be tear it down and rebuild. He says, the songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere. They shall be thrown out in silence. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail. You're saying, when will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath that we may trade wheat? In other words, these new moon festivals that God had given them back in the book of Leviticus, the, the Sabbath that God had told them to celebrate, those were to be times that they celebrated and they worshipped God. And they drew their attention away from the, the busy stuff of, of industry and, and, and mercantiles and, and selling and trading and farming. No, it's a day of rest. It's a day of focus. It's a day of, man, getting my heart right with the Lord. And he says, all you guys are doing is you're going through the motion and through the whole time that while you're at church, you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do at work tomorrow? That's what he's saying. 
Uh, what he's saying is, while you're sitting at church at the at the meeting, you're you're wondering, hey, what are we going to have for lunch uh, later on? Uh, and I know that none of us do that, right? Uh, but that's that's exactly what he's saying here. You you you. When will the new moon be passed? Is he ever going to get done tonight? Uh, that we may sell grain or the Sabbath that we may trade wheat. In other words, they were going through the motions while their mind was totally someplace else. You make the ephah small and the, and, and the shekel large, falsifying the sales or the scales by deceit. That you may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and even sell the bad wheat. Bad business ethics. In other words, they were, they were, they were, they, they were, they were, they were saying, you know, hey, you know, it, it won't really matter if I cheat a little here, cheat a little there, as long as I, as long as I'm making a good profit from, who am I hurting at that? And God says, you're, you're hurting the needy, you're, 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 literally, you're, you're destroying them, you're stealing from them. And so the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall the land not tremble for this? And everyone mourn who dwells in it? All of it shall swell like the river. Heave and subside like the river of Egypt. Where, where's the river of Egypt? What's the name of it? The Nile River. Okay. Now they're, granted, they're up in Israel, but there's no doubt that everybody in that whole region understood and knew, uh, particularly before all the dams and everything got put in the Nile, that man, as long as the Nile was down in, uh, the, the southern regions of Africa and all the rains and everything that would happen in the mountains, that, that Nile River, by the time it got up in that, uh, that Delta land, man, it would just destroy stuff. It would wipe out things until they got control of it. And that's what He's he's saying that it's just going to be this heaving, this uh, this this total uh, uh, wiping out of everything, and then it'll bring back. And you know one of the problems that they had is when when the Nile flooded like that, it left so much silt, and the silt they had to clear out before they could grow again. So that's what he's referring to. He says in verse nine, it shall come to pass in that day, the day of God's judgment. It'll come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that I will make the sun go down at noon and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all of your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head and I will make it like mourning for an only sun and its end like a bitter day. All of these things and the Again, the, even the, the psalmist speaks about when they were in captivity that uh, their, 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 their songs weren't songs of joy, but they were songs of lamenting and crying out. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, verse 11, that I will send a famine on the land. But it's not going to be a famine of bread. It's not a famine of, of water, not a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. I wonder, it really, in even 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 now. I mean, we've got the blessings of radio, we've got the blessings of television, we've got the blessings of a multitude of ministries all over our nation, literally all over the world, that are proclaiming the word of God, that are proclaiming the truth of the message of God. But I also know that there's a lot of places that call themselves churches that they proclaim anything but the Word of God. 
It's a, it's a feel-good message. It's a, uh, 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 you know, anything and everything, but really the, the strength and the power of God's Word. You'll never go into that place and hear them speaking of the need to repent or the, the, the reality that, man, you, you might be harboring sin in your heart, that you, know, you, you need to, again, check your own life. You'll never hear them say anything about God's judgment. Why? Because they want you to leave happy. They want you to have your best day today. They want you to be able to, to go through life just with everything's wonderful. But you know what? Sometimes I need to deal with my sin. Sometimes I need to deal with that rebellion of my own heart. Sometimes I need to be on my face before God, crying out to Him. And we all do. And we need to hear what the Word of God says. We need to hear what the plan and the direction that God is doing in all of this world so that we'll have a, 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 a burning desire to be able to share the truth of the gospel with those that we don't know how many days before the end draws and they don't have a chance again. And you know what? If everything's just wonderful and shiny all the time, then there's no there's no burden on my heart to share the gospel with anyone. There's 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 no there's no uh, uh, um, intenseness because the hour is late. No, it's just like every day is wonderful. Just go out. He says here there's going to be a time, man. They're going to run to and fro seeking the word, and they're not going to find it. In that day, the fair virgins and strong young men they're going to faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, as our God lives, O Dan, or as the way of Beersheba lives, they're going to fall and they're never going to rise. Well, what's he saying? They're calling out to their idols. They're crying out to their idols to save them. And God says, you know what? You can cry all day to them and they're never going to answer. And Amos says, he sees another vision here. This is the fifth one. It says, I saw the Lord standing by the altar. Now, the altar was located just right outside the entrance into the temple. He says, I saw the Lord standing out, standing by the altar, and he said, now, in my New King James, it reads thus, strike the doorposts that the thresholds may shake. Well, actually, that's not really correct, because the threshold, uh, where is the threshold in the proximity of a door, Brian? It's on the bottom, huh? And he's saying, strike the doorposts which are on the side. And actually, the New King James has this thing completely flipped around. In the Hebrew, it actually says, strike the lentil. Now, where's the lentil? It's across the top. So strike the lentil in order that the posts may shake. And that becomes the stability factor of the entire building. So what God is saying, go up there and just remove the lentils, just beat on them, pound on them, until the whole thing is shaking. Why? Because he is going to tear it apart. He says, break them on the heads of them all, and I will slay the last of them with the sword. He who flees from them shall not get away, and he who escapes from them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, from there my hand will take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide from my sight at the bottom of 
in the sea. From there I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. Though they go into captivity before their enemies, from there I will command the sword, and it will slay them. I will set my eyes on them for harm and not for good. I don't know if you know this or not. That doesn't sound like a good scenario. Now, in Psalm 139, the psalmist declares, you know, where can I go from you? And he kind of gives kind of a similar thing, but it's it's not with the same ending. The ending in the psalm is, God's going to find me. God's going God's to come to me. God's going to rescue me in the midst of that. But here, they're hiding from God because God's judgment is coming upon them. God says, you're not going to be able to hide. You're not going to be able to hide at all. Then in verse 5, he says, the Lord God of hosts. That little phrase, the Lord God of hosts, again, uh, speaks of the greatness of God's sovereignty in the midst of it. Uh, the, the, the Lord, of course, being the, the one who is over all things and, and God, Jehovah himself, the Lord God of hosts. Uh, Twelve different times in, from chapter 7 to 9, he uses this phrase. The Lord God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell there mourn. All of it shall swell like the river and subside like the river of Egypt. Again, speaking of the Nile. He who builds his layers in the sky and has founded his strata in the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Are you not like the people of Ethiopia to me, O children of Israel, says the Lord? Now, what does he mean by that? The people of Ethiopia were not his people. The people of Ethiopia were, in essence, enemies of God. And he says, you you become to me like, again, nothing. He says, didn't I bring you up? Didn't I bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? I also brought the Philistines from uh, Kaphtor and the Syrians from Kerr. Well, behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful nation, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Now, it's interesting. God just spoke a couple of different nations. He spoke about Ethiopia. He spoke about Egypt. He spoke about the Philistines. He spoke about the Syrians. Is that the sinful nation that God says, I'm going to destroy from the face of the earth? Shake your head like this. In the midst of all these nations, you think, yeah, wow, those are evil nations. Wow, that's a bad nation. No, those, those are not good guys. God says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, I control all of them, but you are the evil nation. Speaking to his own people, his chosen people. But then he goes on with this. He says, yet, what does it say there, church? I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. Does the word remnant mean anything to you? God always has a remnant. And it's interesting, all through the age, even the age of the church, even in the darkest age of the church, when we, you, you look back in history and you think, wow, they were so far from the truth and the hope and the word of the gospel in the dark ages. And we look at the crusades and the wickedness and the bad things that took place in the name of the cross or in the name of the church. And they, no, man, God doesn't have anything to do with that. Christ doesn't have anything. But you know what? Even during that time, there was a, a remnant of people that remained through there that held on to the truth, that that knew what it meant to trust Christ 
for salvation, not the church, who knew what it meant to be devoted to the Lord God and not to some man. God always has a remnant. And listen to what he says. Verse 9, For surely I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say, the calamity shall not overtake us. It's not going to confront us. God says, oh yeah, yeah I will. But he still speaks of a remnant. And then all of a sudden there is this sudden huge change. After God is bringing all this judgment to say, man, you, you're, you're a sinful kingdom. I'm going to destroy you. Yeah, there's going to be a remnant, but I'm going to sift you from all the nations. I'm going to destroy all of those that say, hey, it's not going to take us. God suddenly changes. He says in verse 11, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. In other words, he's speaking Again, of just re- restoring order, restoring, uh, you know, the, the, the life of the people here. I'm, I'm going to repair its damages. I'm going to raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. That they may possess the remnant of, and, and again, in the New King James, and I believe even in the King James, it says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this. And Edom is actually not a very good translation there. It should be the remnant of mankind. Because he's speaking, uh, again, of even reaching out to the Gentiles beyond the Jews. And you say, well, how do you know that, David? Well, real quick, you've got time, trust me. Flip over to Acts chapter 15. Let's let the word, again, um, instruct us and uh, teach us from itself. Where he says, uh, again, after that I, I, I will return. I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Look in Acts chapter 15. And, and here in 15, James speaks in verse, uh, 13. Remember, this is the argument about whether, uh, Gentiles can really come to faith in Christ without becoming Jews first. Can you really kind of bypass Judaism and come straight to Christ? It says in verse 13 of Acts 15, after they had become silent about this argument between whether or not a Gentile could, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, speaking of Simon uh, Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. And he quotes right here from Amos chapter 9. He says, after this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up so that the rest of who? Mankind will seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. God had a plan for evangelism for the Gentiles from the very beginning. From the very beginning. It wasn't a late thing. It wasn't just a New Testament thing. No, God wanted to reveal himself to the Gentiles, even in the Old Testament. The problem was, is the Jews were supposed to be the evangelists. And they failed horribly at that. Who's supposed to be the evangelist today, church? The church is. Yeah, but we're all neat. We're all tidy. We've all got our acts together. 
And you know those lost people out there, we might get soiled by them. Isn't that the very mindset of the Jews in even touching or interacting with any Gentiles? And that's one reason why they greatly failed. God says, you're, you, you don't become that. Don't get involved in that. But man, let my glory shine through you. Because they need to hear. They need to hear. And I believe the same word still comes today. They still need to hear. We as the church now, as the evangelists, we'll just tell them to come to church. You know what? They're, they won't come to church. You're the church to them. You're the word of God to them. You're the move of God to them. You're the presence of God to them. You, and, and hear me with this, okay? Don't take this wrong, even on the video or anywhere. You are the incarnation of God in their life, okay? Because they look at you and say, wow, is that what it means to be a Christian? And what is a Christian but a little Christ? I'm not saying you're becoming Christ or you're becoming God. Don't even go there. What I'm saying is they are seeing who God is through our lives because they're not in church, because they're not reading the word, but they see us. They see us at the restaurants, they see us at the stores, they see us at the workplaces, they see us at the schools, they see us in our neighborhoods, they see us in our family gatherings, they see us everywhere. Do they see Christ in us? That's the thing that I want us to remember. Behold, the days are coming, Isaiah says back in Isaiah verse 13. The days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes, him who sows seeds. What, what, what does he mean by that? He says the harvest is so great, so great that again, man, they're just now reaping and man, they're, 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 they're already plowing again. They're, they're treading great. The guy that's treading the grapes, he's overflowing. Uh, him that's sowing, they're just sowing the seeds. Man, the, 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 the produce is already there. It's just coming so good. The blessings of God being poured out. He says, the mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. And I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. I shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. I shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. Or they shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be called up from the land I have given them, says the Lord. Did God do a judgment on the people of Israel? Absolutely, he did. Absolutely, we see it actually twice in 720 uh, AD, 722 AD, when again uh, Assyria came and took the nation of Israel out. And then we saw it again in 70 AD when the Romans uh, drove them out of their land. But you know what? God continues to work. And in 1948, just as we shared in that clip, God rebirthed the nation of Israel. And we see these things, man, these blessings of, of, of the, the cultivation and the agriculture and all, and the pictures that we saw on that slide, and they don't, they don't even begin to tell the story of what a, what a beautiful blessing is there right now. Does that mean that Israel has come back to God? No, unfortunately it doesn't. But it also means that God's not done with them yet. God's not done with them yet. Pray for the peace of Israel because the only peace that Israel will ever find 
is the Prince of Peace. That's who they need to find. At the same time, I look at these things, and I say, if God's judgment came on Israel, His beloved, His chosen ones, the ones that, man, He snatched away, and He determined, then where's His judgment on the United States that's been blessed by so much? And yet we continue to turn our back on Him. Pray for these United States. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the churches that we would be bold, we would be on fire, and we'd be real. Amen. Amen. In these perilous times that we live in, how can we know for sure what is to come? The 12 Minor Prophets highlight many future events that will bolster our faith as we study them. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.